Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! guys and welcome back to wrestle rant radio for thursday october 21st 2021 i'm graham gs matthews hope you guys are doing well and enjoying your week we are fresh off a of crown jewel on thursday afternoon we're recording this literally an hour or two removed from the pay-per-view and quite honestly as i tweeted out right after the show i enjoyed the event i liked the show it was easily the best saudi show they've done yet one of the better pay-per-views in recent memory better than extreme rules or whatever the fuck the june pay-per-view was was it l in the cell i liked the show and rj and i were expecting to come into the show because usually we record on Thursday mornings if not like Wednesdays on the off chance usually it's early Thursdays Uh, we waited obviously today until after the pay-per-view was over and I was expecting the show to live up to its name today and it being Wrestle Rant Radio and ranting about how bad the show was and how piss poor quality the matches were and the booking decisions but that didn't happen we actually had a lot of positive things to say about the Saudi Arabia crown jewel event from a couple of hours ago that conversation is going to be coming up shortly but before then we got SmackDown superstar Sasha Banks back here on WrestleRant Radio for the first time since last November. I believe I pushed the audio out here to WrestleRant Radio last year. I'm pretty sure, before Survivor Series. I think I did. If not, she's back for the first time, or not back for the first time, but making her WrestleRant Radio debut here today, talking about Crown Jewel, so it's a little outdated in that respect. Uh, we talked, I think, on Wednesday, like eight days ago. We put up the article on Tuesday of this week, or actually yesterday, uh, a week ago, or a day ago, on Bleach Report. So the article version is available on Bleach Report. The audio already went out on my YouTube channel, so check that out. Uh, We got a great response for the Roman Reigns one here on the show in an article form and on YouTube, so check that out. I appreciate the people's support. But um, yeah, we got Sasha Banks here today talking about Crown Jewel, Women's Evolution, The Mandalorian Season 3, whether she will or will not be a part of the show. I saw that pick up headlines this week in the last 24 hours with her answer to that question and a lot more. So be sure to check that out right here on the show right now and right after that, my conversation with Mr. Marceau breaking down the entire Crown Jewel pay-per-view. One quick cheap plug. We got, or actually, a, a couple, I lied. Um, if you want to listen to new episodes of Wrestle Rant Radio, you can every single Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podbean, or Google, Google Podcasts, not Google Podbean, Google Podcasts and Podbean. Um, you can also check it out on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show. Never miss an episode every single Thursday. Um, that I wanted to mention, in addition, as always, obviously, in addition to all the other interviews that are going up right now on the channel, not going up on this show specifically, but we got a lot of interviews coming up in the coming days and more interviews already up on the channel. So today I put out my interview with the promoter of the upcoming wrestling classic convention here in Connecticut, CT's first major wrestling convention in about over a decade since 2009. So that is up. It should be up by now, by the time you're listening to this on my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash or backslash uh, Graham GSM Matthews, not backslash YouTube. That would make no sense. Um, so check that out. That went up today. 
Um, yesterday was Sasha Banks, like I already mentioned. So a lot of these interviews that are here on the show are already up on my channel. So if you're not already subscribed, you're going to want to you know check that out and hit that bell button to be notified every time a new video goes up. Uh, Tuesday was my interview with the NXT North American champion, Carmelo Hayes. He was awesome. Thoroughly enjoyed speaking to him. Um, I've been a big fan of his for a long time now, even well before he joined NXT. So it was cool catching up with him. I actually interviewed him like five years ago. I don't think I put the interview here on the show, but... I interviewed him back when I was in college, and it was for like a school project, and he was great. So check out that convo. We had Elliot Taylor, the man behind Brian Danielson's AEW entrance theme, the making of that song, Born for Greatness. Great guy. Uh, we actually just spoke to his girlfriend, Skylar Gray. Doc and I did the other day. Um, that interview is going up on the channel probably at some point next week, maybe next Tuesday uh, or Wednesday. I forget which exact day. Because we got another interview, I think, going up Tuesday. Um, so that went up on Saturday. Check that out. Last Friday, like you mentioned, was Roman Reigns. Uh, coming up, we got Jeff Jarrett, J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T, Jeff Jarrett, uh, Double J himself, coming to the channel on Monday. And also an article form over on Bleach Report to talk all about his podcast and so much more. Uh, he's the man. So, yeah, a lot of content coming out of the channel and here on WrestleRant Radio. You're not going to want to miss it. On that note, guys, here's my exclusive interview with WWE SmackDown superstar, the boss, the blueprint, the standard herself, Sasha Banks. All right, what's going on, guys? Graham Jesus and Matthews here with Bleacher Report ahead of Crown Jewel this coming week. On October 21st, we're talking to SmackDown superstar and maybe the next SmackDown women's champion, the boss herself, Sasha Banks. Sasha, how are you? I'm good, and it's not maybe. You are talking to the future. Two times SmackDown Women's Champion. <laughs> it's going to be you, Bianca Belair, and uh, uh, you, Bianca Belair, and Becky Lynch this coming Thursday at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia. It's going to be a big match. I mean, this is a star-studded matchup, and your first time over in Saudi Arabia for one of these shows, right? Yeah, it's my first time. I'm super excited. I have no idea what to expect. You know, I've been mm -hmm. asking the girls around, like Natalia, Naomi, Bailey, just their overall feel when they went over there. Um, and they, they can tell me, they, they get me excited, they get me pumped, but um, once I'm over there, I know it's just going to be a whole different ballgame. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, we've had a couple of these shows now, and this is only the third, I think, women's match that we've had. I mean, obviously, we're getting the finals of the Queen's Crown on the show as well, but assuming your guys' match goes on first or second, whatever, uh, one of the few women's matches that we've gotten onto the show up to this point. But you and Alexa Bliss, I mean, for the record, did compete in Audi Dhabi, uh, Abu Dhabi, excuse me, my, my bad, a couple of years ago in the first women's match over there. Um, any similarities or like the feelings kind of going to the show and the nervousness and stuff like that? Any, any relation you can have to that experience from a few years ago? I mean, for me, there's no relations yet until I'm fully over there. I know mm. when I went to Abu Dhabi, um, that feeling alone, I, and I was so much younger then and in and, and such a different time period of my life. Now I'm going in there as the legit boss, someone that's just, my career has just taken off since then. I got to main event WrestleMania. My mindset is just so much more different because the women have grown so much more since that event. So for me, I just can't wait to go over there and just to create more of this opportunity of change and growth and just showing people all over the world that women can do anything and, and we have been doing everything. Yeah, I mean, you guys have had the first women's matches on these Saudi Arabia shows the last couple of years. I mean, first ever women's Money in the Bank, first ever women's, you know, Queen's Crown tournament we're seeing right now, first ever women's Royal Rumble the last couple of years. And you've been a part of a lot of these moments, if not every single one of them along the way. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, and being a part of this women's revolution over the last five years, do you feel that pressure of like, I, I have to carry this thing forward and you kind of feel all the weight falls on your shoulders being one of the biggest stars, uh, male or female in WWE right now? 
Um, I would say yes and no. Mm-hmm. Yes, just because I want to keep the momentum going. I want to make sure that, you know, if I'm not in the title pictures, that there's more women in the title pictures. There's, there's two women storylines going on at once. I just want always more, more, more for the women. And I feel like we've been doing that. Again, getting to main event WrestleMania, to women getting to headline Raw and SmackDown every single week. Um, we are seeing that growth. We are seeing that change. And it's happening right now in your face. So um, it's so crazy to be a part of. And like you said, I've been part of, of, of a lot, if not all of the first time. And first time ever in WWE. So for me, it's nothing new. The pressure gets a little less 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 because i feel like um they, they believe in me so much that i don't have to put pressure on myself anymore yeah i mean we're still seeing these first time ever's like we were getting first time ever's five years ago when you Char- you and charlotte had like the first women's main event on raw for the first time in, like over a decade but now we're getting all these first time ever matches and again like you said it's still happening to this day i mean what more can happen like what more do you want to see with the women's division going forward obviously more time for matches and stuff that's obviously a popular uh, criticism among fans beyond that though what more do you want to see with the women's division on these shows going forward i mean we already are main eventing mm-hmm. we already are main eventing pay-per-views i mean what what more can i get i can get the, the universal championship maybe that maybe if i can wrestle <laughs> roman reigns and just prove to him that i'm the top face uh, mm-hmm. Maybe that's what more we can do, but I feel like we've been knocking down every door that's been closed in front of us. Um, if they keep on making more doors, we're just going to keep on knocking them down. Um, the, the WWE Women's Division is the best it's ever been. I think it's the greatest of any era um, from top to bottom, and I just I can't wait to see what more of the, the future brings from in even NXT 2.0. Like to see how many women are down there. From when I first started, there was only a group of eight. And now there's maybe a group of 30 just to see the growth from then to now. Um, it's so beautiful. So just within the future, I'm just looking forward to everything to see the women grow more. Is there anyone on NXT 2.0 that you've seen in the last month or so that really stands out to you that you want to work with at some point, or even that, not even just the, the females, but even the guys too, like anyone that stood out to you really in the last month or so since it started. Not in the last month. I mean, with the WWE draft, I still haven't fully got to see this whole new roster. I mean, we got Zaya mm-hmm. Lee, Aaliyah, um, Hit Rose on SmackDown now. So I'm getting so many new people that I've never got to step in the ring with. So just that alone from, from the NXT before, I look forward to these new matchups. So I first have my eyes on like Zaya Lee, Tony Storm. Um, so those are the first, my eyes that are on them first. Yeah, I mean, there's so many names. I mean, in addition to everyone you just mentioned, like you mentioned with Hit Row, B-Fab is another one on SmackDown now. Shotzi's uh, someone on SmackDown that you haven't faced before. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte Flair, obviously, you have a lot of history with. Have you had a singles match with Shayna Baszler up to this point or not yet? I don't think I have. I don't think I've ever had a singles match with Shayna. We've had many uh, tag team matches for the ones that, that took my tag team titles away from me. Thanks to Bailey <laughs> for turning on me. Um but no, I would love to say so. Yeah, Shane is um, on SmackDown as well. So I am so, so pumped for these new matchups. Um, and that will be in effect in the next couple of weeks. So I look forward to all of this. Yeah, the very next day after Crown Jewel. But as far as Crown Jewel itself goes, I mean, it's a very interesting match. You, Becky, and uh, Bianca in this triple threat. Obviously, it's a star-studded match. SmackDown Women's Championship is on the line. Interesting scenario, though, because it, the SmackDown Women's title is on the line, but they're a part of the Raw brand. Becky's on the Raw brand right now. So do you feel it's up to mm-hmm. you to kind of take the title back to Friday nights and make it property of SmackDown again? For me, this is where the real pressure comes from. I have two Raw superstars, Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, 
trying to come after the SmackDown Women's Championship. Like, how is that going to make any sense? <laughs> I have to make sure that SmackDown Women's Championship stays on SmackDown just the fate, for the fate of the locker room, for the fate of the whole division. Um, we can't be titleless. And I don't want Charlotte to bring that world title over there. So we got we to gotta figure something out. But I definitely know at October 21st, the SmackDown Women's Championship is coming home to legit. And I mean, with this match as well, it's going to be a great match and the stakes are high. You know, you hear about the Raw and SmackDown stuff only happening at Survivor Series, but it's happening to Crown Jewel with this matchup alone. Um, You talk about SmackDown. I think we talked about this last time we spoke about a year ago, but coming out of the WWE draft, obviously you stayed on SmackDown first round pick, which is, uh, you know, highly touted, super great stuff. Uh, as someone who kind of grew up as a SmackDown girl, you've talked about it before, and a lot of people aren't really partial to one show or another. You may be no different, but I'm curious. As someone who is staying on SmackDown, were you relieved to be staying on SmackDown? I mean, obviously, you'll succeed wherever you go, but I get the feeling that you were probably wanting to stay on SmackDown, but I want some clarification from you, though. <laughs> I absolutely love SmackDown. SmackDown is my home. I was just on Monday Night Raw. I can tell you that there is a big difference. <laughs> SmackDown is the show to watch every Friday night. It's just top to bottom. The best talent, the best roster, the best matches. Um, And it's just a good, easy show that you can understand. It's two hours. I mean, Raw's great, too. It's nice to have that third hour for for more opportunity of different superstars that maybe you haven't seen. But SmackDown is the face for Sasha Banks. Had you ended up on Raw by some random chance in this draft, would you have had to change your hair color again? Or would you have just stayed blue in that case? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I was I was in the back of my mind. I was thinking about it, but I've done red before in NXT. Um, but who knows? I could have I could have been feeling a little fiery if I went to Raw. <laughs> we'll never know. At least you're staying on SmackDown, so we don't have to worry about that. But again, coming into this match, uh, you have a lot of history with both women. The uh, you know Hell in the Cell match you and Becky two years ago, kind of rekindling that rivalry, not only at Crown Jewel but on SmackDown as well. Uh, this coming week, as we speak right now. Obviously, you and Bianca just headlined WrestleMania earlier this year. Uh, you're in your element right now as a character in the ring. It's great to see. This is the, you know, the boss that we've wanted to see. And we have seen in WWE on and off over the years. Uh, coming back from your most recent hiatus over the summer in time for the rematch at SummerSlam and just most recently on SmackDown with Bianca. Uh, was this always the plan to go back to your roots as, you know, the Sasha Banks that we knew and loved from NXT? And you always kind of had that edge to even going into WrestleMania. But obviously now you're a lot more vicious, a lot more aggressive. Was that always the end game for you to kind of go back to your roots into this uh, rekindling of the rivalry with Bianca and Becky going into Crown Jewel? Um, for me, it's just to always be more of a boss, be bigger, and to always have the spotlight on me. So for me, it's nothing new. Uh, um, people might see it a little bit different, but uh-huh. I'm still my same self. I'm still booked and busy in the boss of the <laughs> WWE. Um, I'm the greatest of all time, so that's nothing new. I don't know what, what the changes are. Mm-hmm. I'm just the best. I'm the, I'm the greatest. I'm better than Becky Lynch. I'm better than Bianca Belair. Belair. I'm better than Charlotte Flair. I'm better than every single person on this women's roster. Mm-hmm. So that's just what I am. And you mentioned before how you don't, you know, the, the nerves kind of go get less and less. And you've been doing this for a very long time. I think a lot of people forget you've been with a company for almost 10 years at this point. Not exactly, but we're getting close to that point. Um, and you've been on the main roster for you know a while as well. And you talked about the nerves. So before each return you make or before each big match like this, 
what is the nerve level? Is it more of an excitement thing? Do you get like when you first come back from each return and whatnot, do you get nervous? Like you don't know how they're going to react to you or have you reached a level of confidence where it's like, all right, I know every time I go out there, they're going to go crazy because I'm Sasha Evan Banks and I'm just a star or whatever, you know? I always get nervous because in any crowd, we're always in a different crowd, a different town, a different arena, and you never know how the fans are going to react. They control a lot of what we do. Um, their energy can shift the way that I feel when I'm out there. But every time I go out there, the fans, the receptions from them are absolutely amazing because I don't know um, if they've just been growing up watching me for the past eight years and they're just like still behind me. Um, but our fans, our WWE Universe are the greatest. And every time I go out there and I perform on a SmackDown, at a live event, at a pay-per-view, um, I always get those butterflies because that's just what they give me. They give me that energy. They give me the feeling of just, you know, getting to live my dream every single week. How much of a difference have those people made since they've been back in the building for the last couple of months now, especially for someone like you that gets probably, I mean, arguably as someone, you know, impartially or one of the loudest reactions on each show that you're on, male or female, it makes a big difference. Uh, how much of a difference has that made for you in your matches and segments and, you know, coming back at Clash of Champions and getting that great reaction from the audience? Or it Extreme Rules, rather, not Clash of we can't do this without our audience. I missed them for a whole year and a half hearing that raw, real reaction and that energy. Um, and that's the coolest thing about the W universe. Everybody has somebody that they like, but they all come together and they just make this the craziest noise and energy just to give us this, this greatest show ever. So um, since having them back is more amazing, it makes my matches and my, my segments just more exciting because I have, you know, people to, to cheer for me or to boo me. It's a, it's a real feeling than just hearing and looking at screens, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it makes a big difference. Getting to feed off the audience and obviously it's a major advantage in your matches and whatnot. Uh, you talked about, obviously, you said that you're better than both Bianca and Becky, but respectively, you've had a lot of history and chemistry with both women in the ring, some great matches. You beat Bianca in your rematch on SmackDown a few weeks ago. What are your thoughts individually on both Becky kind of like, again, she's the same woman that she was before, a little bit different on the outside in terms of how she's going about in her matches. Uh, Bianca as well, great competitor. Your thoughts on them individually as uh, performers and as rivals and whatnot. I think those are two of the most um, amazing women that we have in WWE. With Bianca Belair, she is just taking this place by storm. Um, she is the strongest. She is the fastest. And she is just making so many names and great headlines for herself. I am so I love watching her grow. I love seeing the performer that she is today. And, man, she's going to go down in history as one of the greatest of all time. And Becky Lynch, one of my oldest rivals, um, someone I grew up with, and NXT, just to see her growth and to see her now better than ever, to come back and to have a baby and to come back with pretty much a 12-pack, um, it has me feeling some type of ways that, you know, do I need to lay off a little bit of pizza or do I need to enjoy my life? I don't know. Um, <laughs> she is incredible. One of my favorite opponents to be in the ring with. So in Saudi Arabia, I just think this match is just a WrestleMania caliber match and you're going to see one of the greatest matches of all time. Well, you mentioned it, so now I'm curious. Pizza or what is it? What is your favorite, like, go-to cheat meal or snack for you? Oh, it's so hard. Right now, I'm really on a, a taco kick. Okay. I love my Mexican food. I love my, my spicy salsas. Um, so I love tacos. Is it like a Taco Bell taco mm, or, like, more like... night. No, oh, okay. Ew! <laughs> hey, guys, yeah, taco Bell? <laughs> I want authentic. 
I am trying to sit on the toilet. If I go to Taco Bell, I am making Saudi. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, there you go. I was going to say, I'm not a Taco Bell person. I'm, I've never, I, I like tacos, so I don't know. Like, where was the best place you said to get one? I mean, anything authentic is the okay. best. You have to find the heart <laughs> and the nature of people that make it with love, and it always tastes 100 times amazing. Definitely. Some of the local places, I'm sure, uh, you know, well-recommended as well. You got, you got to actually go out of your way to really put in the effort to find a good taco place, but at any rate... Um, <laughs> Yeah. So what I was going to ask you next about WrestleMania next year, I got completely off track. Uh, WrestleMania 38 coming up in Los Angeles, you know, the, the home of Hollywood, uh, you being an actress, you're now yourself and the Mandalorian, which we'll get to in a second. What's like your ideal match? Cause when we spoke last year, you were like, Oh, maybe Bailey or Bianca. You got Bianca. Not only that, you were in the main event of the show. So WrestleMania 38, if you're, you know, fantasy booking in your head right now, who is your fantasy opponent for WrestleMania 38 in Hollywood? Oh, all right, here we go. I see myself main eventing WrestleMania, either against Nicki Minaj <laughs> <laughs> or Charlotte Flair or Bailey. Those okay, are my, those are my top three picks. Okay, very good pick. And, and if any I one of the- that one last year, I feel like any of those are a WrestleMania caliber match. Yeah, de- most definitely, most definitely. We're still a couple of months away, so anything can change between now and then. But with the Mandalorian, as someone who loved the show, and we spoke last week or last year before the show aired. Um, and I ended up loving your role on the show. Talk about that, your role on season one. We got season three coming up at some point, and I don't think we know for a fact uh, when it's going to be coming out. But talk about how awesome of an experience that was and being a part of this next season whenever it comes out soon. Well, first of all, thank you for trying to get that out, but I'm not on the next season. Thank you. <laughs> I thought you were in the next um, season. It was incredible. Oh, thank you, though. It was incredible being on The Mandalorian on Star Wars. Um, To be on such a a franchise that is so huge and so loved, um, just to get the reception from fans outside of the WWE Universe that I've never got to experience, it was the best feeling of all time. Um, The production of that show was overwhelming of just like, I legit felt like I was in a galaxy so far, far away. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I felt like I was on a different planet. It was something that I just will always take with me. And I took so much of what I learned from acting with them and being with so many great stars. I brought it to the WWE um, and it really helped my confidence as well. When I came back from um, doing the Mandalorian two years ago, it was, it was such a, a learning gro- growth and curve for me and something that I just was not expecting. Um, but now I'm in this whole new Hollywood world. And um, it's going amazing. I, I'm like, so excited for the future, and I can't wait for my fans to see what's next. Well, that's awesome. There's obviously plenty to look forward to, and uh, especially with this show as well. You got to be a part of the finale, which was one of the best parts of that season. Did you know about the Luke Skywalker reveal ahead of time? And if you didn't, did you find out with the rest of us when we watched it on Disney Plus whenever it aired? <laughs> I mean, I was in the scene as well, so um, I had to know a little bit. I read the script. <laughs> Um, but it was so cool watching as well because every time the Mandalorian came on, it was always on a Friday. So it was right before SmackDown and I went mm-hmm. to work. So I'm like watching as a fan with everybody else and like freaking out. I'm even on this show now. I would just walk to work or go to work. And then everybody backstage is just like, oh my God, freaking out. And it's just so cool to see your coworkers freak out something about something else that's not just wrestling. You know, it's, it's usually always oh, great match, great segment, but it's like, you're on freaking Star Wars, The Mandalorian, and that episode was so cool. I'm just like, yeah, 
of course I am. <laughs> That's perfect. Thank well, you. obviously, we're going to see you on Crown Jewel this coming Thursday or next Thursday, whenever it is, October 21st. You, Becky, and Bianca. It's going to be an awesome match. Smack the Women's Championship in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Sasha, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. Best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you so much. Big thanks to Sasha for the time. Like I mentioned earlier, you can also check out that interview and article form for the highlights from today's conversation over on Bleacher Report. And plenty more articles and interviews to come in the days to come over on Bleacher Report, fan side of daily DDT what culture. Uh, So be sure to check those out going forward. On that note, let's welcome on Mr. Marceau to break down today's WWE Crown Jewel pay-per-view. The good, the bad, and thankfully not too much of the ugly. We do have some criticisms. It wasn't a perfect pay-per-view by any means, but I did enjoy it. So let's get right into it. My conversation with Mr. Marcel. After a four-hour Crown Jewel show, I was expecting to be here on the show today with Mr. Marceau, complaining, ranting, and raving about whatever we had to, about the bad booking decisions, the poor match quality, poor as usually the case with these Saudi Arabia shows, um, you know, uninterested crowds, and just questionable booking decisions, like I said. We didn't really have hardly any of that. There are some criticisms regarding matches and match finishes and, you know, where we might go from here and stuff like that um, and how we got to this point with some of the matches. But beyond that, I really don't have a lot of bad things to say about the Saudi show. It won't be a complete, you know, praise fest here regarding Crown Jewel uh, 2021. But I did thoroughly enjoy the show, as did Mr. Marceau. So we won't be quite living up to the WrestleRant Radio name. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you were with me, Mr. Marceau. It was about a year and a half ago when... um. We had Super Showdown 2020, and I think I recorded my thoughts on that like as soon as it was over, so I spent a considerable amount of time ranting about Goldberg beating The Fiend for the Universal Championship. year and a half later, The Fiend's not even here anymore, um, and quite a bit has changed, but I thought this was a good show. So, Mr. Marcel, I'm in a totally different mindset than I thought I would be coming into this conversation with you, but how you doing, Mr. Marcel? Doing good. I mean, I know last week we said we were probably going to go on a rant, but I don't know, looking at what was advertised, I thought... I thought we, were, we had a good chance of not coming on here and freaking out, so. You know, I thought this was one of the better, obviously not one of the better, but as we discussed before we went live here, the best Saudi show they've done to date, which as I tweeted, as you were already thinking and have said as well, I mean, the bar is very low, so it's not saying much. Uh, we had 10 matches on the show, including the kickoff, the Usos versus the Hurt Business, um, and a tag team match. And also, by the way, to kind of preface this, maybe I'll get your quick thoughts on AEW real quick at the very end of this conversation. Uh, they, we haven't had a Wednesday night Dynamite in two weeks. We're getting another Saturday Dynamite. This Saturday, we'll be at Dynamite next week. So we got to do an on-site report from the show, talking about it, maybe on the ride home, because we're going back to your place afterward. So for me to take my car back to my uh, back to my home state of CT, so maybe we'll figure something out then. Um, but yeah, we'll be at Dynamite next week. So next week is going to be a completely AEW-themed show, but we'll talk a little bit about AEW at the end here. But let's start with the Crown Jewel show review. Um, starting with the kickoff show, like I said, Usos, Hurt Business, non-title match, SmackDown Tag Team Champions going over clean. Did you catch this, Mr. Marceau? And if so, what were your thoughts on it? I did not catch the pregame show. It was a good match. Uh, I mean, as you would probably expect, the Usos won, as they should have. Uh, Nothing really new there. It was about a 10-minute match. They gave them a decent amount of time. Um, Alexander and Benjamin are great, but is it as baffling to you as it is to me that they have yet to actually address the reunion of the Hurt Business, and they're just kind of wearing wearing their shirts, they're coming out to the music, but they haven't actually formally interacted with Bobby Lashley yet, which is weird. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, I thought it was maybe a one-time thing, but... I mean, they got involved later on in the show, mm-hmm. so we'll see, I guess, but it is kind of weird. 
maybe they'll come out on Raw, or maybe Bobby will be like, hey, fuck you guys, you didn't help me win against uh, Goldberg, that's why they haven't gone full-fledged with it yet, maybe they're waiting until MVP comes back, which it might be a while, so it's weird, but um, this was a good match, though. We open the event, Hell in a Cell, the first Cell match in Saudi Arabia, we've had a steel cage match or two, first Hell in the Cell in Saudi Arabia, though, and this was a terrific match, I thought, between Edge, Seth Rollins, the feud ending match. Um, having feuded on and off, obviously, the whole storyline started back in 2014. Um, but this most recent incarnation of the rivalry kind of rekindled a little bit back in July when uh, Rollins cost Edge the Universal Championship. Great match at SummerSlam. Love the MSG rematch on SmackDown. Um, this was very good as well. I thought this was a wonderful match. Um, we'll talk about you know your, your issues with it in a moment. Um, and I completely agree with certain things that you mentioned over, over text when we talked about it earlier. Um, but as a way to blow off the feud, moreover than anything else, I thought this was a great way to do that. A lot of callbacks with Rollins doing Edge stuff, Edge doing Rollins stuff. And then Edge winning in the end with a uh, with a curb stomp, which was interesting because obviously that's what Rollins promised to do to Edge to end his career, and that didn't happen. It was kind of the roles reversed here, um, but it was the right outcome. Edge was the, you know, I know they had like Goldberg go over a little bit later on in the show, but it was the right outcome, and it was like you know people can say oh part timers reigning supreme or whatever. Rollins isn't hurt by the loss. It made sense from a storyline standpoint, and it made sense with the being inside Hell in the Cell. Edge kind of had to win here. Um, he lost to Roman Reigns back at WrestleMania. He lost to Roman again at Money in the Bank. He beat Rollins at SummerSlam. But again, Rollins will be here as a regular member of the roster. Maybe Edge will be too, but Rollins will be here tomorrow. He can easily recover with a win at Survivor Series or at the day one pay-per-view in a couple of months or whatever. But uh, Mr. Marceau, give me your thoughts, your in-depth analysis of Hell in a Cell, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because I know you, what, you didn't think it was a perfect match, uh, but I want you to elaborate a little bit on what you didn't like about the match as well as what you liked about it. No, I think the match itself, this is like the example of Hell in a Cell that it should be in Hell in a Cell. Like, they had a good feud. It was like a blood feud. It was definitely the right stipulation to blow off the feud. So, like, this is when they should be using uh, Hell in a Cell, not like it's Tuesday or it's October, so we're going to throw Hell in a Cell out there and just put two random people in it. So, I thought the actual match type was needed. The match itself was good. I just, I think it did go a tad long. I mean, it was well over 30 minutes, I felt like, and... The, the excessive use of weapons, it just, you're already in Hell in a Cell, just like, just, I don't understand why they can't just use the cell more. I know they can't have blood, which I think probably is why they go more towards using more weapons, but I feel like, yeah, I get the chair, maybe the steel steps, but they pull out like the, the, like the box of tools, and usually mm-hmm. we get endo sticks, and I just feel like it could have gone shorter, they could have used the chair a little bit later on. Like, when Edge used the, he hit him with a spear, and then that's when he started pulling out more furniture. It's like, maybe that's when he could have pulled the chair, and he brought that, like, little, I don't even know, what do you even call that? Like, when he kicks the, like, the spoke out of the chair? Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know. Yeah, like, the that. face thing, yeah, I don't know what you would call that exactly, yeah. I mean, I feel like after he hit the, he hit the spear and he kicked out, he's like, oh, then he go like, that's like his last resort, he's going for that. But besides that, I mean, I thought it was good, I like, I just... At that point, I also thought there was still two more no-DQ matches, so I was like, okay, I, I get it, but like, it just felt like, what else is those other people supposed to do if you use the chairs and the tables and all the other furniture that you can use? It just it, it limits everyone else later on the night, but luckily they changed the, the main event to not being no-DQ. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I didn't know this was advertised as a TLC uh, Hell in the Cell match, did you? <laughs> that's, see, like, that's my problem with it. It's like, <laughs> I think that, but like I said, I think if they like, 
allowed blood. Like, I feel like there were po- points, like, if they just used a little blood, if, and you could you like, that would replace needing to use the rest mm. of the weapons and stuff like that. Because you could use the cell more, and then Rollins could get color, or Edge could get color. Like, the point, the part of the match I did like is when Edge did kick that, like, little spoke out of the chair, and then Rollins used it and, like, kind of, like, stabbed him in the face with it. Like, if the, you could imagine if they used blood there, it would have come off better or stuff like that. But it's a small, small nitpicking, but I feel like every, like, no DQ match or Hell in a Cell or Ladder or TLC, all those gimmick matches, they basically use every piece of weaponry that you can use. So it's just a, it's a 2020 nitpick. Maybe Edge and Rollins heard about the report that we talked about last week that um, <laughs> where the TLC pay-per-views no more, so they're like, fuck it, let's just, we'll have TLC tonight. No more TLC pay-per-view, so let's just have TLC tonight here at uh, Saudi Arabia and Crown Jewel. But at any rate, I thought it was a great match. I totally understand where you're coming from. The blood thing I do agree with, they came out with a compilation anthology DVD about 10, 15 years ago for Hell in a Cell. It featured every Hell in a Cell match that ever existed. From the first one between Sean and Taker at uh, Bad Blood 97, up until I think Taker and Batista at Survivor Series 07. I, I've told you this before, and I've watched it like a million times, but the only match that's not on that DVD, the only Hell in the Cell match that is not on that DVD, they have every Hell in the Cell match. They have Taker, or they have Triple H and uh, Mick Foley, or not, not Triple H, oh yeah, that one too, but Triple H and uh, Kevin Nash, with Mick Foley as the special guest referee from. What was it? Bad Blood Bad Blood 03. Bad Blood 03. That's what it was. Uh, they have that match on there. The only match they don't have on there, Big Boss Man and Undertaker from WrestleMania 15 because it was so terrible. They didn't even want to include it. And it was the sole exception to, like the sole match that was excluded. But at any rate, uh, I was watching that DVD years ago in a common theme in all of the matches, specifically with Triple H. I mean, I wrote a whole article about, like, the bloodiest Hell in the Cell matches ever because Triple H would get blood. He would, he would you know, uh, what, what what's the term? Get, um... Get juice. Get juice. Get juice. I thought there was another one. Get juice. Maybe Color. Color. Get color. color. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Um, get color. The old... I forgot what the old Jim Ross expression was. Um, man, I don't... The Crimson Mask or... Yeah, Crimson like... Mask. Yeah, Mr. Marceau, you're coming out with all the uh, all the expressions here. Exactly. I, I don't know why it slipped my mind. Yes, Crimson Mask, got juice, got color in every single match. And obviously with the PG rating, we haven't had that. I mean, I guess who needs blood in this match when you got Goldberg getting accidentally busted open within 10 seconds of his match with Bobby Lashley later on in the show. Um, but yeah, again, putting that aside overall, I thought it was a great match. I think putting it on first was very smart. Um, because it kicked off the show on a great no. Every other match had a hard time following it, but I thought the way they structured the card was very smart, because I think this match needed a hot crowd. I was very skeptical of them doing it in Saudi Arabia, because with past shows, and I don't know if it's because they haven't been over there in a while, or what the deal was, because I feel like every other installment of Crown Jewel, Greatest Royal Rumble, Super Showdown, the crowd is almost always dead, unless it's a Triple H or an Undertaker. But that wasn't the case on this show, so did you like the fact that it opened the event? Yeah, I think it ne- not that it needed to be. I thought it was going to be either that or one of the King of the Ring matches, or the King of the Ring match. But I'm glad it did open because I feel like it did set the bar. It started off the show good. I feel like if it started off with something less exciting, it could have been got lost in the middle, and maybe the crowd wouldn't have been as excited for it as they were. Yeah, so that's the thing too. I feel like this would have been a main event on any other show if it wasn't Roman and Brock in the main event. So if it's not the main event, you want to be the opener. And I feel like if you put this on second to last, third to last, like in the spot that Biggie and Drew were in, it would have completely, maybe not completely, but 
it would have come close to overshadowing Roman and Brock and taking away some of the hype from that match. So I thought the way they structured it, <clears throat> kind of putting this match first and some of the undercard matches after it was really smart. But I thought this was excellent. Edge winning was, in my opinion, the right call. Um, anything next you see being for both of these men? Hopefully they don't drag it into the ground or you know run it into the ground by doing another match inside fucking like an Iron Man match or whatever. I would hope not. Um, I assume Edge goes away for a little while. Do any opponents jump off the page for you on the Raw roster that you want to see Raw? I mean, obviously we have Survivor Series, so I guess we got to have to wait until after that. But beyond Survivor Series, any opponents in the Raw side of things that you want to see Rollins work with? I mean, I, I think right away I'd put him with, with Priest. I think he'd be a good person for Priest to run through at this mm -hmm. point. Um, I mean, I think I think Rollins should have won, realistically. If, if he's going to be around, he probably should have him win and then lead into Priest. I mean, if he's, like, backing into a United States Championship feud, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter too much. But I think Priest right off, right off the bat would make sense for me. Yeah, that would be a great match and a match we have yet to see one-on-one -on -one in WWE. So, uh, yeah, I would be super sold on that. We got Mansoor versus Mustafa Ali, one-on-one -on -one right after that. You texted me, and I agree. The right match to follow up that opener. Um, good stuff here, obviously, Mansoor being the hometown hero. They loved him on the show. Ali got a great reaction, too, and they had a fun little match. Um, the best part about the show, for the most part, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, all the matches got an ample amount of time, except for Vega and Dewdrop, which got all of five minutes. Not a match that should have been a 15-minute in-ring mat classic anyway. Um, but that just goes to show you how much they dropped the ball on that tournament with the Queen's Crown, which we'll get to momentarily. Uh, but they gave this match about 10 minutes, which was great, which I guess I shouldn't be too surprised because Mansoor is from Saudi Arabia, so it does make sense. But I thought they worked well together. It was the first Mansoor match in one of these shows that made sense. It was a great moment, great reaction. And uh, they had that little post-match thing at the end, which and if, if you're going to have anyone beat up Ali, someone from Saudi Arabia and someone that's like a legit karate fighter if that's the right term to use someone that was in the olympics i believe is a pretty good choice so i thought i forgot his name off the top of my head but i thought that little post-match bit was well done too so your thoughts mr marceau on monsoor versus mustafa ali it was a perfect match to follow that hell in a cell um just because he is the hometown hero i mean they they got right behind him i feel like if it was like dewdrop or vega even balor and woods i just don't know if they would have been as excited so Putting this match up next was perfect. wasn't the greatest match. I mean, not two of the greatest people, but mm -hmm. I thought they I thought they worked well. It was Ali looked good and Mansoor looked great as well. I just the only thing I would change is I would have had them teamed up a little bit longer and maybe Ali would have more heat. They they teamed up for like a month and then Cole's like, oh, this is his uh, mentor. It's how's he his mentor? If they, they, they teamed together for like a month, yeah, it felt rushed. Like, it was very rushed, but. I think any any other match might have suffered after that Hell in a Cell match, so props to them because this was the perfect match to put on after the Hell in a Cell. I agree. I thought it was perfectly placed on the card. Um, any aspirations or any thoughts on what they might do with Mansoor moving forward? Is it another one of those cases where, I mean, at least he's on the main roster now because when he was on these Saudi shows before, <laughs> it's not even like he was on NXT. He wasn't anywhere, dude. He wasn't doing anything in the company on television. He was barely on 205 Live, and they were putting him on these Saudi shows, beating Dolph and Cesaro and, like, these top, top names and good matches. And I think Mansoor is very talented, um, but they just weren't doing anything with him on any brand. And him and Ali weren't really doing a hell of a whole lot. I mean, they've had their story on the show for a couple of months, but... Other than that, they really weren't involved. Like, they weren't tag team champions or get a shot of the tag team titles. They were just kind of on the show before they rushed the breakup. Um, do you think this win might propel 
Mansoor a little higher up on the card into a mid-card position on SmackDown, or do you anticipate them just doing nothing with him going forward on SmackDown? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I feel like they, not that they have to push him, but I feel like there's a better chance that he'll do not better than do nothing. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I could see him in a couple of decent feuds, but I want to put him on the top of my list of push him. Yeah, no, I think I think he's really good. I'm a fan of him personally, but uh, we'll see what they do with him going forward. RK Bro and uh, AJ Styles and Omos Raw Tag Team Title Match rematch from SummerSlam. Um, another good match here. It got around the same time that the SummerSlam match did, so I feel like these two teams never really had a chance to go all out the way that I know they can because you got Riddle in there, you got Omos or not you know, Omos, but you got Riddle, you got Orton, you got AJ. Almost is just kind of being the limited big man. He plays his role well. I feel like with those three alone, the first three I mentioned, they can go in there and have a killer match, but we didn't really get that at SummerSlam. We didn't really get that here. It was an entertaining match for as long as it lasted, um, but it wasn't like that barn burner that I hoped it would be. But again, still good stuff. RK Bro remain the Raw Tag Team Champions. I think I told you last week they were my pick to win, but I saw some skepticism in the last couple of days on Twitter with people saying, oh, maybe RK Bro will lose, and that'll set up the split. I think it's way too soon for that, and I would much, much, much rather see Styles and Omos break up with AJ going back on his own. He has served his purpose in the tag team division. He's done his thing. He's held the title for a while. Time for AJ to move on. But this was another match that it was well-placed on the show. Good wrestling with the right winners, and hopefully this means the end of AJ and Omos in the Raw tag team title picture. Completely agree. Great match. Good match. Um, it was fine for what it was. I thought it was like it perfectly placed on the card. Uh, right person one, hopefully. I don't know if I would say split them up, but obviously just have AJ be a single and have Omos be his bodyguard because just the tag team division just isn't there and AJ should be utilized better, especially with his age. Yeah, I should Yeah, I should phrase that better, like you said. It, definitely keep them together, I would think, but not, you know, not, not have them in the tag team division because it's been fun, it's been nice, but at the same time, splitting them up would allow would probably lead to AJ losing to Omos in a series of matches because they're not beating Omos quite yet, and the guy's getting better. Um, I thought he would be awful. My expectations were very low going into WrestleMania when he had his first match on the main roster, but he has exceeded my expectations. I'm an Omos fan, but I wouldn't split them up at this point. I would... Like you said, just have him continue to manage AJ like he was before they started chasing the tag team titles. So, um, hopefully they do that. I think, honestly, dude, AJ and Priest would be a fucking sexy match, too. Yeah, AJ and Priest would be good as well. Um, that makes sense. So, you could do that, but I don't know if they're going to immediately kick them out of the tag team division. So, we'll see, but uh, that that would be good. I mean, even the triple threat, I'm, I would be down AJ, Rollins, and, and Priest, honestly. Hey, take my fucking money. I thought Hardy, Sheamus, and... Uh... Who was it? Priest, obviously, at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view was great, so that would be equally entertaining. We got the finals of the Queen's Crown Tournament on the show, Zelina Vega and Dewdrop. So, we haven't spoken since last week, Mr. Marceau, here on the phone about it, um, but obviously on Monday's Raw, we had Shayna Baszler losing in the semifinals to Dewdrop. I figured Carmella would honestly make the finals, and it would be Baszler and Carmella, um, but they didn't want a heel versus heel match, which... I don't really see the big deal with because we already had a face-versus-face match later on with Balor and Woods, but I digress. Um, the problem with this match, as I was talking to Alexis about it, was that with Dewdrop, I think she's great. I'm a Piper Niven fan. I want to see her succeed. Even if she won, lost, it doesn't matter. I think Vega's a better fit for this tournament because she was already doing the Queen shit, and I don't really see her as a title contender, and we'll talk about that in a moment too. The thing with Dewdrop, though, bro, is the fact that I think she's great, and they had her be Eva a couple times, but then she lost to Charlotte like two weeks ago in 90 seconds, sending the message to me and everyone else that she's a loser. 
So for me to then buy into the idea that she's great and that she's going to beat, you know, Shayna, albeit uh, via in fluky fashion, I get that. But still, it just didn't really make a lot of sense. I would rather have Dewdrop lose to Vega than Shayna. Um, but still, I really think, I really honestly believe Shayna should have won the whole thing. I don't want to see her walking around with a fucking scepter, but I don't think she has to. Not every queen or king of the ring winner has to walk around with a crown and the dumb scepter and the throne and all this other dumb shit like Corbin did for 10 years. Um, but still, I think Vega is a better fit for Dude than Dewdrop was to win this Queen's Crown tournament. It really should have been Shayna, but whatever. The whole tournament was a complete mess. Um, the match was fine. It got five minutes. The longest match in the entire tournament, which is pathetic, um, for a company that pretends to care about their women. And hey, Becky, Bianca, and Sasha had an awesome match later on, and it got 20 minutes. It probably went longer than the entire tournament did combined, which is so pathetic. Um, but I want to get your thoughts, Mr. Marceau, on Baszler losing, Vega winning instead, the tournament itself, because to me, it's been one giant disgrace. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I really didn't want Shane to win it, because like you said, I didn't want her to walk around with the crown and the scepter. Now, even though that didn't have to do that, that's something WWE just loves doing, so mm -hmm. I was glad she didn't win and the, at that at that point. I mean, Vega winning wasn't a huge deal. Dewdrop, I like Dewdrop, but like you said as well, I feel like... She's kind of like a joke at this point, and it is what it is. I thing is, like everyone's complaining. Oh, the match only went six minutes. The whole the six minutes dragged. I mean, I think Piper Niven's good. Vega is met in the ring at best, and I just feel like the crowd didn't care. I didn't care. The in ring match quality wasn't the greatest, so it was what it was. The tournament wasn't run well. was was like they really had any top tier women that they consider in it anyway. So. It is what it is, but hopefully they can learn from their mistakes. But the whole tournament itself it just was kind of a mess. Yeah, but I think that the problem is that, I was telling Alexis too, is that if you look at this card, the show went four hours. To me, it didn't really feel like four hours. I feel like the time really blew by for a lot of these matches. If you were to, if you were going to shortchange a match, and a match that I want to see go the shortest on the show, it would be Vega and Dewdrop, but not because, oh, it's a women's match, but because the entire tournament has been one giant joke. But why is it a joke? It's because they completely fucked it from the get-go by having the matches go short, having the wrong people advance. Like, it, it's, it's a testament to the booking. It's not a matter of, like, oh, the crowd doesn't care about... Like, it's not like they're putting the effort into getting these women over, and the crowds just aren't responding to it. They're not. I mean, I guess they're trying to get Vega over now by having her win the Queen's Crown. But the issue with her winning, even over... Do I think she's a better fit for it than Dewdrop, is where do you go with it from here? Like, I don't see Vega going for the Raw or SmackDown Women's Championship. Honestly, I don't think she's great anyway. I really don't. I think she thrives in a managerial role. I think she's awesome in that respect. In the ring, she's decent at best. She's a great talker. Um, but there's so many other women on this roster, maybe except Dana Brooke, for example, that are far better than she is. So I feel like this won't really elevate her the way that it should. Um, so that that's my problem with Vega winning, because I don't really see this going anywhere. But I guess me expecting it to go somewhere is asking a little too much of them, you know? I was going to say, you're, you're being a little too uh, hopeful there. I mean, <laughs> A little too optimistic, a little too, a little too much PMA. The thing is, I just feel like even if the match was 10 minutes, I just even though, yeah, they're booked in that way, I just like I said, it wasn't like the match was like run it just wasn't a good match in general so i don't it, it's not like they were put in the greatest position anyways but the tournament was screwed to begin with they had no top tier women that they really consider in the tournament anyways so i mean it is what it is even like i don't know i just it felt rushed it felt random they didn't have anyone huge in it it wasn't it wasn't treated well just the whole thing was a mess 
Well, I think that the biggest reason why they did it, and they should be doing King of the Ring or Queen of the Ring or Queen's Crown, whatever they want to call it, they should be doing it, but I feel like the sole reason why they did it this year, and I'm honestly a little surprised they didn't do it back in 2019, was just to, you know, give people what they want just to shut them up. It's one of those things like, hey, you got your Queen's Crown, you got your Queen of the Ring, now shut the fuck up. We won't, we don't actually have to book it correctly. We'll just give you what you want. That's the problem. Like, you can't have your cake and eat it too with this company a lot of the times, especially when it comes to the women. So I'm not complaining that it was a five-minute match. I'm, again, like I said, I was not expecting a 20-minute in-ring classic from these two because I don't really care about Dewdrop currently. I don't give a fuck about Vega. So I thought it was going to be Michaels and Angle from WrestleMania 21 over there. <laughs> I'm not sitting there like, listen, I completely agree. It was a boring-ass match, and the crowd's sitting on their hands. I don't blame the Saudi fans. I don't blame you for saying that. I blame the fucking company. As you alluded to, the problem was not the fact they gave him five minutes here. The problem was that they booked the tournament like complete shit from the get-go to the point where no one cares. If they gave the SmackDown women's title match five minutes, I would be complaining about that because there were three big, big stars... And the match would have been great, and it was great. Now, the fact that they gave this five minutes doesn't bother me because they aren't big stars, and that's not their fault. I mean, at least with Dewdrop, I don't really see Vega becoming a big star as far as, you know, from an in-ring standpoint. But that's not their fault. That's the company's fault for not putting the effort into making them actual stars. Like, Dewdrop going out there, dancing, doing the dumb finger thing, the awful <laughs> entrance music. It's putrid. It's putrid. I mean, I love Piper Niven. I thought she was great in NXT UK. And you don't even have to do anything with these women, dude. That's the thing. Just have them, men too, but just have them go out there and have them fucking wrestle. Like, not everyone has to be this giant walking joke. Like, you talked about over the summer, we made a joke about, oh, if Bronson Reed gets called up, he's going to be the Funkasaurus 2.0. They're making her the Funkasaurus 2.0. Maybe not with, like, the, the background dancers and shit, but she's skipping down to the ring. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not who Piper, in my to my knowledge, that's not who Piper Niven is. And their presentation of it is just fucking terrible. So they got to do better with the women going forward. Asking a little much, I know, but that's my one nitpick with this whole thing. And that was easily the worst part of the show. I thought the rest of the show was pretty good for the most part. Um, speaking of which, we had Goldberg, Bobby Lashley, Falls, Count Anywhere, No Holds Barred match. So like you said earlier, they added two stipulations to two of these matches at the very last minute. Goldberg and Bobby was already No Holds Barred. They made a Falls Count Anywhere on the fucking pre-show. So, if you don't watch the pre-show, who does? I mean, I do, I guess, but very few people do. If you didn't know that, then you wouldn't know until the bell rang. Um, the other stipulation they added was no holds barred for the main event. Now, that was more of a story thing. I don't think it was WWE saying, hey, it's a step. Now, it's not a step. I mean, it was, but with them, I think it was more of a storyline-driven thing where they said it would be a no holds barred match at the beginning of the kickoff show. And from a storyline standpoint, Roman and Brock said, hey, we don't want it to be a no holds barred match. I don't know why you wouldn't want that, but I guess they both wanted a straightforward singles match. I don't know why, um, but that's why it was changed. So that was always the plan. It wasn't like they announced it on Monday that it would be no holds barred, come the pay-per-view, and it's not. That would be false advertising. So I thought what they did there was weird. Um, not that it even needed that stipulation in the first place, but I can understand why they did it. But back to Goldberg and Bobby. Honestly, dude, I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. A far far improvement over that awful debacle at SummerSlam, not saying much at all, that match was terrible, I was there for it, I could tell you the crowd booed their fucking heads off at that match with how bad it was, uh, mostly Goldberg's fault, didn't look like he got killed here, it wasn't look like he was blown up, the falls can anywhere stipulation helped a lot, um, you know, dragged on a little bit, but the match was 11 minutes, so I can't really complain about that, but Again, it was what it was, unless I missed something, I did, did Gage get involved, or did I miss that and he did? I didn't even see him. 
I was told that he was there, but I didn't see him at all, which was weird considering this whole story centered around him. Um, Goldberg did not follow through on his promise of killing Bobby Lashley, and I'm glad he didn't, but um, I'm not really sure why they put so much emphasis on that if they weren't going to, like... It's not like he... I, I, I jokingly told Alexis, I'm like, why didn't he just bring out a gun? Like, he said he was going to kill the guy. Like, <laughs> did people were people underestimating him? And he's like, hey, I told you I was going to kill him. Like, I have a fucking shotgun right here. I mean, he probably owns one, too. He strikes me as the type of person that probably has one in his closet. But anyway, dude, the match was what it was. Goldberg wins, LOL. We already expected this. This did not bother me because we knew it was coming. And at least Bobby Lashley isn't champion anymore. So that's the one, you know, saving grace of this. But what were your two cents? I thought it was fine for what it was. It was a, a match. We knew Goldberg was going to win. The stipulation definitely helped just because Goldberg's so limited in the ring. I didn't think I saw Gage. Like, I, I mean, I was paying attention. Like, he went over in the front row and hugged people after, but it looked like it was just, like, fans. I, mm-hmm. I don't think Gage. I don't know. It was what it was. It, it, we knew it was going to happen. It was better than Undertaker Goldberg, so I can't complain. I love the best part of what you said was it was a match. I think that's the best way to sum this up was that it was a match. It wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible. It was far better than the SummerSlam issue, um, that fucking piece of shit of a match that was the SummerSlam match, but it was fine. I mean, Goldberg hasn't won a match since he... Actually, since the last Saudi show was the last time he won a match in WWE, he went on to drop the championship to, to uh, Braun at WrestleMania that year. He came back earlier this year to face Drew for the WWE title, lost at the Rumble to him. Lost to Bobby at SummerSlam. He was he was 0 and three. He was oh. I don't say I don't want to say he was 0 to win. But if you're gonna keep bringing this guy back, he has to win at some point. And I think he's only signed through matches. I mean, I think through 2023 or maybe 2022. I don't remember. So he had to win a match eventually, and this was it. Um, I hate them even suggesting this. But do you think there's a chance that now that Goldberg has a win under his belt, he re-enters the world title picture? And I mean, him and Big E, Big E really wants that match, so whatever. But I'm thinking more specifically, we never got Goldberg and Roman. So do you think we get that as one of the people Roman beats before WrestleMania? Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't want Goldberg winning, so... I mean, if he faces Roman and Roman beats him, then sure. But isn't Goldberg on Raw, or did he not get drafted, or... Yeah, he didn't get drafted. I mean, they could just say he was a free agent. He has prim- he has primarily been exclusive to Raw, but he was also... I mean, when he was Universal Champion last year, going into WrestleMania, he was a SmackDown guy. So he, he can kind of go wherever he wants, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess it's not a match I'm clamoring for, but... I think it'd be interesting. Roman's at the top of his game right now. Roman really gains nothing from beating Goldberg, but I say that just because it's another person for him to beat. And there's not a lot of people on SmackDown left for really Roman to beat. Um, I assume they'll do Brock and Roman, I don't want to say two, it's like part seven. Um, But I assume we'll get that coming out of the show at some point. But beyond him, definitely Drew, maybe at WrestleMania, hopefully not. Um, probably Jeff at some point, hopefully, if he can rack up some wins. Beyond those guys, I don't really see any one obvious person on SmackDown facing Roman between now and WrestleMania. So, Goldberg's a nice Rumble opponent, have Roman beat him. We never got the match, just deliver on it, do it, have him win, move on. And maybe that's the end of Goldberg and WWE. I think we'd be asking a little too much of that if that were to be the case, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, anyway, so Goldberg wins, LOL. We move on to the finals of the King of the Ring tournament. Xavier Woods versus Finn Balor. I was convinced that Woods, let alone wouldn't win it, but even be in it to begin with. I was shocked they put him in it. I was shocked he advanced past the first round. I was shocked he advanced past the second round on Monday. I was for sure expecting Balor and Jinder in the finals, because we know this company loves Jinder Mahal. But he he beat Jinder clean as a sheet. The former WWE champion, as much as it pains me to say that, um, that he was a former WWE champion, but 
You know, Xavier beat him on Raw, advanced to the finals, and beat Balor tonight, or today, whatever. Clean. And what was a very good match, and I think Woods is great. I've never said that, um, you know, that Woods should be WWE or world champion, but I think the guy is good enough that he could be a mid-card champion, and maybe that's where they're going with this. Um, Nakamura is the current Intercontinental Champion, but I would like to see him ride this wave of momentum for as long as he can, and if nothing else, I thought it was fucking cool. Balor could have used the win to kind of rebound from the Extreme Rules loss, but to be completely honest with you, dude, with the way that he was kind of booed here against Xavier and the way he was booked on SmackDown before he left for Raw, I wouldn't mind a Balor heel turn with how he acted on Monday's Raw. So before we get to Balor, your thoughts on Woods becoming the king of the ring, because I certainly did not expect that. I know you're not the biggest Xavier Woods fan, um, but like I said, I, I said to you a week or two ago, hey, if you're going to do this thing, fuck it. Just have him win it, because the thing's a joke anyway. I mean, they had Corbin win it. They had fucking, you know, Regal and Barrett and Sheamus win it like it was a joke. So honestly, just give it to Woods and see what he can do with it. So I, I'm a fan of the finish personally. I don't hate it because I feel like he's someone that can use it to like propel himself, like you said, maybe into a mid card champion. I think that's he's like the perfect example of someone that should be winning it. So I had no problem with him winning. Um, a little surprised he made it that far. We always joke that's like the company because they do love him. They love gender. I figured it'd be it'd be Finn and gender and Finn would win. So I am surprised that he won. Not like that's a bad thing, but I think this could propel him into the mid card and kind of. Maybe get the tag team stench off him a little bit because I think he is a good singles guy. So the right person won, and I can't complain. I think it's cool that, hey, Biggie and Kofi have had WWE title reigns. Biggie's the WWE champion right now. He won Money in the Bank three months ago. And, and Woods is like a fucking 20 time tag team champion, but he's never had any actual single accolade in the company, unlike Biggie and Kofi. So, again, it doesn't mean anything. He doesn't have to go on to win King of the. Or he doesn't have to go on to become world champion. But if they actually went on to do something with him, I'm not expecting it. But it would be cool, in my opinion, to see Consequences Creed, who I grew up as a big fan of in, in TNA over 10 years ago. Um, to see him do well on the mid-card on SmackDown. So I think the right guy won here with Balor. Do you think he goes heel from here, or does he flounder? Because I feel like with all the star power Raw now has coming out of the draft, I fear for his future a little bit on Monday nights. Um. Yeah, I just... I would push him in the mid-card like, after what... And... I just, I don't know, they keep, I keep seeing that Balor's gonna be, like, a big thing, but, I don't know, I just don't, like, I feel like they don't, the main roster, at least, don't see him at that level, I mean, he was gonna be the first Universal Champion got hurt, but ever since then, he just hasn't really got that momentum, went back to NXT, kinda rejuvenated himself a little bit, but, after the rumors that he was gonna be pushed on Raw, and him losing this tournament, I kind of feel like that won't happen now. But a heel turn could, could definitely help. Yeah, I think, a, I think a heel turn could help. Maybe they could turn someone face like an AJ or someone like that, but uh, to kind of replace that heel role or that babyface role that he leaves behind. But I don't know. There's just no one obvious direction that you go with him on Raw. That's the thing. Maybe you could do a him and Rollins feud, but I feel like we've seen that a lot over the last couple of years. Um, him and Priest, maybe, if he's still a face. But again, they're two faces, so maybe not. Um, he's not going after Big E, I don't think, for the WWE title. So unless he finds a partner and joins the tag team division, which I feel like would be a complete waste of Finn Balor, I don't know what you do with this guy. Maybe you rekindle the rivalry between Finn Balor and, and Karrion Cross from NXT from six months ago. Maybe we see a Finn Balor-Keith Lee feud, the Bearcat coming out of the litter box and facing, uh, f f clawing his way to Monday nights is what WWE said last week, which was incredibly dumb. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll see what they do with him going forward. I'm a little skeptical on his future. But I am very, I'm not complaining about the result. I think Woods winning was great. I'm very happy about that. Uh, where Balor goes from here, though, is really the top question in my mind. 
We get to the WWE Championship match, Big E versus Drew McIntyre. The outcome was obviously never in doubt. But as a match, I thought it was very good. Didn't go too, too long. Wasn't a short match. It was a, you know, serviceable WWE title match for 13 minutes, working well together, first time ever. Drew, I think, kicked out of one big ending, but fell to the second. Uh, Big E looked like he was on Drew's level here, so a, a very good match between two fresh faces. I have no complaints. Good match. Can't complain. Um, the right person won. I mean, did not want Drew to win here. Um, and he's going to smack that one to make too much sense. But I was honestly shocked when Biggie kicked out of the Claymore. I thought, I was like, oh, God, Drew going to win. <laughs> but glad that he kicked out there. And like you said, that was a well-wrestled match. Um, crowd, I mean, at this point, the crowd wasn't totally into it. But I thought it was a good match. Um, no complaints. It sounded like, to me, they were more into Drew than they were Biggie, which is interesting because they love New Day over there, so... The chants for McIntyre were interesting. It's not like they booed. It's not like they booed Biggie because they booed Balor against Woods because they really wanted Woods to win, which surprised me because Balor's a big star um, to the fans. So that surprised me. But yeah, no, I thought it was a good match. Exactly what it needed to be. The build was fucking terrible. The whole co- can they coexist shit was awful. Um, but putting that aside, though, I thought it was some good stuff. They go in their separate directions. Drew joins SmackDown. Biggie remains on Raw. We get to the SmackDown Women's Championship match, Mr. Marceau. Becky Lynch beating Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Triple threat match. Um, good stuff here. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I thought it was a great match. Got a ton of time. I think the longest match in the entire show, or aside from Hell in the Cell. It was about 20 minutes long. Um, a lot of near falls, a lot of kickouts. And it wasn't obvious that Banks, or that uh, Sasha, or that Sasha Banks, that Becky was going to win either. Because Becky's on Raw now. She's still the SmackDown Women's Champion. There was a good chance that Sasha could have taken the title back to Friday's here, but with Charlotte still being the Raw Women's Champion, I guess I kind of figured that Becky would either retain or Bianca would win. But Becky winning via, you know, holding the ropes by pinning Sasha, I thought was perfect. It was the perfect ending to what I thought was a great match. So, again, another match that it was exactly what I hoped it would be, and it keeps Bianca in chase mode, Becky retains, Sasha stays on SmackDown. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the match personally. I thought this match was great. Um, it's crazy. These three women are just stars. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in Saudi Arabia, even, I mean, they were seemed very over even in Saudi Arabia. I just think all three of them are stars. Bianca's just amazing. Becky's doing amazing work, and Sasha's just Sasha. So, I thought this was a good match. I thought at points it was a little sloppy. I feel like they were kind of going for, like, different stuff that didn't really look clean, but besides that, I thought the match went well, and Becky win by cheating made sense, and it doesn't hurt Sasha because she got screwed out and Bianca was right there. So um, I, I can't complain. I think all three women aren't hurt by a win or a loss. And I think they've made Bianca, even though people are crying that she lost to Becky at SummerSlam. I feel like she's still one of the top women and she has a very, very bright future. Yeah, they haven't terribly booked her. since The follow-up has been well done. My initial issue with the SummerSlam stuff, and I still say it was a stupid way they, they had her lose at SummerSlam, but the follow-up has been great. They haven't buried her. She's lost a match or two by distraction finish or whatever, but beyond that, she's been perfectly fine. I think Sasha will be fine. She beat Bianca a few weeks ago. She beat Becky last week in what was Becky's first loss in like two fucking years or something like that, so she'll be perfectly fine. We pondered this question a week or two, Mr. Marceau, but to go back to it now that the show is over... Are we getting a title swap tomorrow night on SmackDown? Because it sure seems that way. I hope not. It's so lazy. I mean, is there any other way we could do this? Because when Charlotte and Bianca happen on Raw, I'm thinking, wait, maybe they'll put the belt on Bianca and have Sasha win at Crown Jewel, but they didn't do that. So <laughs> I don't I don't know where we're going with this exactly. I mean, I'm fine with them just, like, not switching it and then maybe... 
don't know, just rename the belts. Just do, like, Women's Champion and Universal Champion. I don't know. It's so dumb. Like, SmackDown Raw. Like, stupid. They should just have, like, the similar names to the ones that the WWE Champion and the Universal Champion, and then it's not stupid we get the title change. It's dumb. Are you going to send... Or go ahead. I just think they should either rename the belt so it's, like, Universal or just Women's Champion, so, like, we're not getting, like, every time they switch brand. Like, that, that, that show name is dumb. Mm-hmm. Just... In the in the trading of the belt, stupid because they're like, oh, it's another rain. Like, no, it's not. It's the same fucking rain. It's stupid. <laughs> I thought people saying they're gonna they should like unify the belts. I mean, I don't think so. I, I I would just keep it the way it is. No, I think that'd be a bad call. They have a women's division issue right now, but I don't think unifying the belt. It's not like it's not like with the tag teams where they have a lack of tag teams. They don't have a lack of women. They're just not doing a lot with most of the other women. Like they're doing some storylines, but. You know, some of the storylines just like Carmella and Liv is still going on. Why? Like, I'm enjoying the Sonya and Naomi stuff, but like that storyline, for example, Liv and Carmella was fine while it lasted, but it's still going for some reason. But yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't do that. Are you going to sign the petition to bring back the Divas Championship? Because at least that way they wouldn't have the names anymore. They wouldn't have the Raw or SmackDown, uh, the, the, the names attached to the titles anymore. Please bring back the Divas Championship and the Butterfly Belt. <laughs> I was going to say, you got the Butterfly Belt, I'm sure, hanging up uh, right above your head as we speak right now in your office. I, I think it'd be great. Um, no, no, but in all seriousness, I'm sure they're going to do the dumb title swap tomorrow night on SmackDown. I'm not in, I'm not looking forward to that, but I'm anticipating it. So uh, it is what it is. It's so fucking dumb. Oh, another t- and, uh, Charlotte's going to be like a 15-time champion by tomorrow night, which is so dumb. But that's it's how- the dumb part is, it's not even that they changed the title, which is stupid to begin with. It's the fact that they count it as a different reign. It's not a different reign. It should just be considered like... That's the thing. I think that's the thing I hate about the most. You like say that thing. Oh, now she's a women's champion. Like, like the SmackDown champion. Like, no, she's not. Like, she's already champion. It's so fucking stupid. They should just vacate it or something. When you go to a different brand, if you're going to have the Raw and SmackDown women's titles, which you shouldn't have the Raw or SmackDown name attached to it, but if you're going to do that, just if you get drafted, you have to give up the belt. That That's the way that it should be, in my opinion. Because at least you can't bring the belt with you. If you're a U.S. champion or IC champion or WWE Universal, that makes sense. For the other shit, I mean, why do the, why do the world titles and the, the mid-card belts, they can switch shows perfectly fine and it's not a problem because they don't have the Raw and SmackDown name attached to it. So it should be equal across the board as it used to be many years ago. Uh, but we get to the main event on this show. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, the most anticipated match probably all year. Universal Championship. Where does Paul Heyman's allegiance lie? We didn't really find out. He kind of threw the belt in the ring and didn't help out Roman, didn't help out Brock. Just kind of let him fend for themselves and went with the winner, which is exactly what he said he was going to do. Um, so really not much of a spoiler from Heyman. But I don't know about you, dude. I really enjoyed this. I, I was expecting a five-minute match, the usual Brock stuff. This was his first match since... WrestleMania 36, it brought back bad memories of that, because Drew and Brock had a good match, well, for what it was, but, like, there was no crowd, they were in the middle of a fucking empty warehouse, it was, like, three minutes, and I just feel bad thinking about it in retrospect, because they didn't deserve that, but these two had a very hot crowd here, it was a great match, awesome build, and, um, it was everything that it needed to be, and it was, like, a 12-minute match, it didn't feel like it, but... You know, they dragged it out just enough. Brock looked awesome, not winded at all, despite not wrestling in a year and a half. Roman was on the top of his game in another great top-notch, big fight feel, title defense for Roman Reigns, who remains the Universal Champion. Now, when we did our predictions last week, I think both of us said that they're probably going to do a no contest. I don't think either of us saw Brock winning, so I just assumed, oh, they're going to do some sort of no contest or DQ. I hate to even hope for that type of thing, but in this situation... 
They booked themselves into a corner. How do you get out of it? But they had Brock lose. And I think they did enough to where, like, they had the Uso interference where he was protected. It wasn't a clean win. You could do a rematch, which I want to see anyway. At this point, if they do another match and Brock wins, I don't even know if I would be upset about that. Like, I really want a young guy to win, as we've discussed before. But we're fortunate we've even gotten this far with the Roman Reigns run. And he's even beaten Brock once. I mean, I think that's impressive enough. We we can't get greedy here and expect him to beat him another you know time or two. But anyway, as far as this match goes, I thought it lived up to the hype, and I was fully expecting. I didn't want to say it was. I didn't tweet it was a great show until the match was over, because I was fully expecting. If I say it's a great show now by like the the, the last the, the second to last match, they're gonna completely fuck me in the main event. It's gonna be a terrible match. But no, I thought this was great. I thought the finish was exactly what it should have been. Like I said earlier, with all the other matches, and um, yeah, at least Roman Reigns is still the Universal Champion. So, Mr. Marceau, were you as high on this match as I was? Yes, I thought this match was lived the hype, lived up to the hype. Loved the, the whole story is all about Heyman, so it's just even with the weird ref bump because it was just weird the way they set it up. Like yeah. the ref was standing there <laughs> catching Roman. Like, come on, it's so dumb. Yeah, come on, Charles, what are you doing? But uh, I think the whole point of the match was like not that. Was, I mean, there was the best built thing going in, but it was like you said, like what? Where was Heyman's alliance going to be? He tossed it in the middle, said, "You know what to do with it." It's right between both of them. They both the tug of war. Yep. This is like a callback to the tug of war. I love that. Yeah, I noticed that too. Um, I don't even usually remember that stuff, but I pod big. I'm like, oh my god, the tug of war! <laughs> the tug of war. And then Usos get involved. Roman wins, and then Heyman leaves the champion. He said at the end of the night he was going to leave the champion, and it still leaves us unknowing if he is in Brock's corner or is he really behind Roman. So I think it was well done. Brains wins here, not via being clean, but I mean, it it was what it needed to be. And I thought it still left us at the edge of our seat, not wanting to know. Or wanting to watch SmackDown tomorrow night to see where's Heyman's alliance, or does Roman go to Heyman and say, "Well, it looks like you're throwing the belt to to Brock." Or mm-hmm. I feel like there's still so much more legs in this, and I thought it was very well done and great way to end a, a good show. And we're getting to part two, right? Inevitable. Yes, we. I don't want. I still. I don't. I don't agree with you. I don't want. I don't want Roman <laughs> to, to Brock. I, I mean, no, thank you. So. Um, but no, we're definitely in another match. I mean, it was a, a dirty ending and yeah, I, I didn't say I wanted it. I'm just saying if it happened, I, I wouldn't complain as much because at least I try to appreciate it. So I'm like, okay, at least he beat him once. So at least he beat him when it mattered most. If they beat him the second time, if he went the second time, then I, I guess I, mean, I wouldn't be thrilled. Don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't be as upset, but I, I don't want to jump to conclusions here. That's even assuming they'll do that, which they could have Roman win again. They could do a triple threat and have Roman win. Ah, who fucking knows? But anyway, I thought it was great. Um, this would have been the wrong time to take the belt off of Roman. Do part two. Where where do you think would be the best place to do it? Survivor Series is kind of off the table, but probably Rumble, right? Or do you wait until WrestleMania? I, I don't want Brock to win the Rumble. Um, Honestly, I feel like you wait to SmackDown to do it. You could do like a SmackDown show, but really? maybe not. Okay. Or day one, maybe do day one. I don't know. No, day one makes sense. And have well, I, don't think yeah. I don't think they'll do it at, at uh, Survivor Series. Obviously, if they're going to do Robert Smackdown, so yeah, yeah. And no, I don't think they'll do it there either. Day, day one's a possibility if they want a big buy rate for that show, and it's on January first. So maybe uh, should have been New Year's Revolution, but nonetheless. But like you oh said, my God, move on. <laughs> I'll never Just move on. So from upset that. about the stupid name of the show. Who cares? Sucks. All the matters of the show is good or not. No, no, no. The name is a big is a big difference. Makes a big difference. But nonetheless, I thought this was a very good show. 
Um, you don't ordinarily say that. You never say that, actually, about a Saudi Arabia show. But I think if you thought this was a bad show, you just fucking hate the company. I mean, I wasn't expecting an amazing show. I expected a, a, a bad show because that's what I've come to expect from Saudi Arabia. I was looking forward to the show, and I, I was thoroughly entertained. And uh, I don't know. I could see people not being excited by it or... You know, not loving it. I didn't love the show. I thought it was just a very, very good show and one of the better pay-per-views they've done in a while. I mean, this was much better than Extreme Rules or fucking... What did they even do in June? Hell in the Cell? I mean, this was way better than that. Uh, maybe just because they had bigger stars and they did bigger matches. I don't know. The wrestling was better. It was a, it was a clean, crisp, quick four hours, in my opinion. Five of you include the kickoff. Um, I don't know. Again, if you're one of those people that's like, ah, oh, the show sucked, then... Dude, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You're just just go watch Dynamite on Saturday because this you're you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied from this company. If this show is not good enough for you. I thought at least it was a solid show, if not a very good to great show. So I enjoyed this. Any other overall thoughts on Crown Jewel, Mister Marceau? No, I agree. I think it was one of their better shows of the year. And if you didn't like it, like you said, then you just don't like WWE then because I thought it was a good show for what it was. It was very good. I thoroughly enjoyed it for what it was, like you said. And uh, as we close out here, we haven't talked about AEW in a while because it has been airing on Saturdays the last two weeks. It's going to be on Saturday again this week. Um, you know, last week we had Brian Danielson, Suzuki on Rampage. Uh, Dynamite had Danielson and uh, Bobby Fish. They're kicking off the Eliminator Tournament tomorrow night on Rampage, I'm pretty sure, with Danielson and Dustin Rhodes and a few other matches. Did you notice we're getting Orange Cassidy and Powerhouse Hobbs running it back from Powerhouse uh, Hobbs' debut last year? I saw. So do you think Hobbs gets his win back and losing in 10 seconds, or does, uh, does Pockets win? <laughs> I don't. What's the other side of the tournament look like? Hey, who's on the other branch of the tournament? So there's n- there's not a lot to talk about on the AEW front as far as, like, any major discussion points. I think it's been a very good show lately, but there's not a lot going on as far. I mean, we have full gear coming up. But So one side of the bracket has Danielson and Rhodes. Brian Danielson wins, obviously, right? Yep. Archer versus Kingston, which we're probably getting next week when we go in Boston. Who do you think wins that one? Probably Archer. He should win. So Danielson, Archer, Danielson wins? Yeah, and then it's Moxley and Preston Vance 10. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah, so I bet you Hobbs wins because it'll probably be Moxley and Hobbs. Moxley and Hobbs. What if OC wins? I mean, they they teased OC and and, um, Moxley this week on Dynamite. So I'm a little afraid. (laughs) <laughs> I think Hobbs might be losing a pocket. Cornette might have a fucking uh, corner that happens. No, come on. <laughs> I'm so over pockets at this point. They have stars. Stop putting this guy on TV. Right, Listen, I don't I like the guy, but to have him go over Hobbs would be incredibly stupid. I mean if Hobbs ain't gonna win the thing, he should at least go to the second round at least. The like Hobbs just took fucking Sam Punk to the fucking limit. Now he's gonna lose a pocket. <laughs> Fuck out of here. <laughs> I agree. So is Danielson, you said, winning the whole thing against Moxley? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Any other overall thoughts of stuff in AEW that we haven't really talked about in a while? I'm trying to think. I mean, Hangman coming back was huge. Um, so we're getting him and Omega at full gear. Yep, that was a great promo last week, too. The Cody stuff is just... Uh, Yo, dude, uh, getting Cody and Malachi again this week. is Cody's winning, obviously. It's Cody wins, LOL. <laughs> I just, I don't, I can't stand Cody at this point. He's just, people are like, why does he get booed? Because he's just, his booking's been awful. His wife is annoying. Like, Bro, it's the top. Awful. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, Britt Baker, I mean, I don't even know what they're really doing with her. 
She's facing Anna Jay, I think, tomorrow night. Oh, jeez. So, I mean, that's not terrible. I don't mind that. Um, I mean, the whole inner circle American top team stuff just does nothing for me. I mean, (laughs) I can't stand, like, I don't know. I just, there's so much stuff going on. Like I said, I'm glad Hangman's back. Um... Yeah, I mean, I guess that's about it right I, now. Honestly, yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to rack my brain. What are the other, like, major storylines going on right now? Darby and MJF, I mean, it is decent, yep. but... Yeah. And then Revival or FTR getting the belts. I mean, everyone knew it was them. I mean, come the on. The Super Ronas, new uh, AAA Tag Team Champions. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? I thought, so. it was, I thought it was the Midnight Riders. But no, I mean, I think they have some decent stuff going on. Punk, I feel like they're kind of, not that it's a bad thing. I feel like they're kind of overusing Punk a little bit. Like, it's honest, like, he's not like one of the boys. I just, I feel like they wish they used him on a more of a special occasion. But I feel like they've been using, going to him and Brian so often lately. It's kind of just like status quo at this point. Especially on Rampage. Poor guy's going out there in front of like. 500,000 people? Guys going out there twice in the same night in front of the, the same crowd. It just, it's just weird. I don't know. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. I'm a big punk guy, but I can agree with that. I mean, I know they, they do that to pop a rating for Dynamite, but when you're advertising, and I've, I've enjoyed all of his matches. I thought him and Sidell had a great match last week, but if you're bringing in 500,000 viewers, that's not good. Um, I mean, maybe you got to have him put him on Dynamite once in a while. My, I think my biggest nitpick with Punk, I really don't have a lot to complain about as far as how they've used him, but like they got to put him in a program, and there's the pay-per-views in a, in a, in a couple of weeks. I mean, we'll talk about this real quick. Tony Khan very likely leaking the full gear card on his fucking notebook by attending a Jaguar. Was it a Jaguars game? Yes. Yeah, so it was on his notebook, and he was like, oh, no, 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 they were just ideas. Okay, all right, buddy, your ideas are all coming to fruition. So it was very obviously a leaked card. I won't give away the entire card here, but it's pretty much everything everything you just said is happening in the pay-per-view. And one of the matches, spoiler alert, written on his little notebook, Right next was Kranz, was um, Wardlow versus CM Punk. That just seems, I mean, I'm not complaining, but that seems incredibly random to me. I mean, it is random. Just like all his <laughs> matches are extremely random. Yeah, know. just like, why don't you put the guy, you had enough time in between All Out and Full Gear to give him an actual program. Wouldn't him and Ricky Starks make sense? <laughs> I mean, it would, you know? but they just went, like, they just went right on from that, so... I don't know. That was just weird to me. I don't know. That's that's the only thing I got going on here. But yeah, any other uh, overall thoughts, Mister Marshall, on the, on the uh, wrestling world before we ride off into the sunset here? No, not. I mean, nothing really. I mean, I'm excited for for Dynamite next week, and we'll see what happens from there. I was gonna say, forgot to mention that, but I mean, I think I mentioned at the very beginning when we started speaking. But uh, Dynamite Wednesday, it's back on Wednesdays for the first time in three weeks. We're gonna be there in Boston. First time in almost exactly two years. We were there back in October of 2019 for the second ever Dynamite. What was that show headlined by? I'm, I'm trying to think. I know Jericho was like, that was, the, that was the show where Jericho was like, oh, it's a bad idea from bad creative. And people jizz their pants over that line. Uh, talking about the We the People thing for Jake Hager. I think they, <laughs> they did like an elite match. I don't even remember much about the show, but it, I remember it was a fun time with you going to McDonald's. It's going to be the same thing next week. I look forward to it. Did you realize that we're actually seeing Rampage as well? I did not. I think so. So I looked at their schedule. There's no Friday night show next week. So unless they're taping Rampage on a different day, I'm almost positive because it's been live the last couple of weeks. 
I'm almost positive they're taping Rampage right afterwards, so we'll find out. We'll watch Dynamite tomorrow night and Rampage tomorrow night, whatever they advertise, and they advertise all their shit in advance, so you and I can text about it once they announce it, but we'll find out the card pretty quickly for both Rampage and Dynamite. It's going to be a long night in mass, but I look forward to it, Mr. Marceau. Can't wait. It's going to be an awesome time. Take care, Mr. Marceau. Hide your notebooks. Make sure you're not giving away booking ideas the next time you, you walk out in public. I mean, I, I, I thought I told you about that. I, I try my best. <laughs> Take care, Mr. Marshall. Have an awesome one. I'll catch you ass down the road. Later.